This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to have with me all the way from Israel, Miriam Schwab. Hey, Miriam, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us on the WP Elevation podcast. For those of you that don't know, um, I saw Miriam Schwab speak at WordCamp Europe and was blown away and had to grab her for an interview. She's going to be awesome and going to be able to add a lot of value to you guys and you'll be able to learn a lot. But before we get into that, quick competition. Uh, I'm going to give away a half an hour coaching session with myself on Skype. Uh, Stick around for details on how you can, uh, for your chance to win that a bit later on in the interview. All right, before we start talking about WordPress, Miriam, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? So I had no idea. I really had no idea. But the funny thing is, and now that I look back on it, I see I kind of knew where I wanted to go. I thought pictures of business people going on airplanes and holding briefcases was like the coolest thing, and I wanted to do that. I did. And now, of course, I don't wear suits. (laughs) You know, I don't fly very often, but... I think I like the idea of being in business. I just didn't know how I was going to get into it, and wow. I just fell into it. So. Awesome. So when did you discover the web? At what point in your, in your life did you discover the web? Um, I would say probably already when I was a teenager, but then it was like the horrible dial-up analog, like nobody used it. Um, I always liked sci-fi, um, so, you know, all anything that was very technological and advanced, and the idea that we could get information from anywhere was just like, the most amazing thing to me that I couldn't wait for it to happen. But um, when I really only got into it was probably when I was in university. That was when I had my first email address and that was all very exciting. What were you studying at uni? Oh, something totally related to what I do today, English literature. Ah, well, handy. (laughs) Well, yeah, I did learn a lot and I really enjoyed it. Um, It taught me how to make an argument. And I think that that's really important for people in business in general. So it was, it did come in handy in the end. Do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? Yeah, I do. That's so funny. Yeah, I remember when I first uh, managed to install WordPress and get into the back end. I thought it was really amazing and cool. I didn't really know much about content management systems, so it's not like I could have compared it to something else. But uh, I was just like, wow, you can like manage your content and it changes on the front. And I thought it was cool. And so at that point, were you just using it to kind of manage your own website or were you thinking about using it to do client stuff? Um, When I first started out as a freelancer, I was only providing writing services, which is related to what, you know, I studied in a way. Um, And then, but I always had this very strong interest in in technology. So I started to learn, I think more for myself. I wanted to set up my own website at that point. And um, I I first set up a static one. I taught myself HTML and CSS. And then I thought, okay, I should do this for clients. And then I started to do it for clients. And then I was like, they need a content management system. (laughs) That's not okay that they have to come to me to change, you know, to add a, a comma to the sentence. So I started looking into it and then I tried WordPress. So I guess it was for both. So I'm curious, uh, why wasn't it? Why wasn't it? Why was it not okay that they came to you to add a comma? Was it not okay for them, or was it not okay for you for that to happen? Both. Oh, both. <laughs> <laughs> totally for both. Right. I mean, you know, theoretically, no, technically, to change a comma on someone's site takes five minutes. Yeah. Right. But 
it doesn't take five minutes because it stops what you're doing. You have to go in and then what are you going to charge them for five minutes? It's ridiculous. And also I did believe that um, if someone has a website, they need to be able to update the content because content on a site should be regularly updated. And if they have to have a process that involves too many people and steps, they're not going to be updating it like they should. So yeah. I wanted to be able to provide them with that ability. Exactly. All right. Let's fast forward to today. Um, Oh, I'm going to get this wrong, but your company is Illuminaea, is that right? Look at you. You pronounced it right. Nobody pronounces it right. So, yes, we, we 10 had a points little, for you. We had a little conversation beforehand, and you told me how to. <laughs> I would have said Illuminaea, but Illuminaea. Illuminaea. Yeah, that's what everyone says. Or they just don't say anything. They just stop at the m. Illuminaea. <laughs> is Illuminaea, what, what is it? Is that a play on words? Is it just something you made up? What is it? So the way I came up with it was I really like the idea of illumination, like the illustration type. Uh -huh. um, in Jewish culture, there's some books that uh, traditionally they had a lot of illumination around them, um, uh, illustration, and I thought it's very beautiful. And the idea of, of adding design to words and how they play together. So I wanted the word illumination, something like that. And really what it came down to was what domain name was available. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what I, that's what I went on. <laughs> hey, that's that's why Google was called Google apparently because the domain name was available, right? So really, I didn't know that. <laughs> that's one theory. Okay, so it's a good uh, it's a good process. <laughs> yes. Um, so thinking about Illuminaea, how do you describe what you do in one sentence? When when you meet someone for the first time, they say, "What do you do, Miriam? What's your elevator pitch?" Uh, we're a full service agency with expertise in providing WordPress development services. Cool. It's very succinct. And um, <laughs> you've rehearsed that, right? <laughs> so what do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day? Me personally? Yeah. So to my chagrin, I guess, um, like lately, basically all I spend my time doing every single day is uh, dealing with leads and marketing. So um, there are certain activities that I do to bring in leads and that's also more limited these days. Um, because the actual um, dealing with leads is taking, it just takes so much time. It really does. Like going to meetings and often I have to travel outside of Jerusalem. So that's a whole day just for meetings and then preparing the proposals and the back and forth about the proposals. And then even once they've signed, we have a process. We need them to provide us with their proper billing details and we have to issue them. It's like, it's just, that's what's taking all of my time now. And unfortunately, I don't get to touch WordPress as much as I would like to. I have so many ideas and so many things I want to learn, and I don't get to it. So Wow. So yeah. careful what you wish for, huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was just thinking, on the one hand, when I started out, obviously, I was dying for more clients, right? And yeah. you have so much time. That time is a blessing because it gives you time to, to learn and develop your skills. And I really like marketing. And so, you know, I would write blog posts and all that. And I don't have so much time for that anymore, and I miss it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that in a moment, but um, what, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night as, a, as an entrepreneur? <laughs> Probably something that a lot of entrepreneurs stay awake at uh, because of salaries. Uh -huh. It's very, very tight generally in our company. Um, sometimes we know that a payment is supposed to come in, three payments, four payments, but they're coming in a few days after salaries are due. How, what are we going to do? Are we going to make it? It's like that tension very, very often. And that's what keeps me awake at night. Yeah. Great answer. And, you know, uh, th this, is, uh, this is why I love asking that question. A lot of people find that question a, a bit weird, but I really like asking that question because, I, because it gives us an opportunity to have a lot of conversations that 
we want to talk about, but people generally don't talk about, you know, do you get nervous about making payroll? Well, yeah, of course, everyone gets nervous about making payroll. So, you know, it's good to, yeah. know, that you're, it's good to know that you're not the only one, you know, and I think it's, it's important to have these conversations. Yeah. People don't want to talk about it because it's hard to admit that your business isn't so extremely profitable that you have no concerns in the world financially, mm. but I think a lot of us do. Yeah, cash flow is, you know, one of the biggest killers yeah. of, of small business. What do, you, what do you do when you're not working? <laughs> uh, I am working in my other job as a mother. <laughs> really, I have very little time where I'm not actually working. Yeah. In one thing or another, unfortunately. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about your, your kids in a minute. Um, you list, on, on your website, on the Illuminea website, you list your milestones, like the number of websites you've built, the number of WordCamps you've organized. Why do you think celebrating milestones is important? So we actually only recently started doing that. Um, I've been thinking about it for a while, but we finally implemented it as part of our marketing. And um, it's concrete. It's like everyone can relate to a number and um, when you have good numbers to show and I think thank God that we do have good numbers then flaunt it that's what that's what shows where you've been and uh, I think that's a very good marketing tool if you can do it yeah does it does it also feed into your morale within the organization that you can look at it and it's like a, a board of achievements totally I remember when um, uh, one of my co-workers uh, Rebecca who's she was my first employee and she's been with me the longest. She pointed out to me, because we have a list, we keep a list of all the websites we've built. Um, every time we build one, it gets added to the list. Otherwise, we'll totally forget. Um, and she's like, we reached 100. And I totally hadn't even noticed that we were reaching 100. I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. So yeah, it's like, it's like a big, it's a thing to celebrate. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right, let's dive a little bit deeper into uh, Illuminaya. You founded Illuminaya after having your fourth child. Right. What, were you just bored? <laughs> Did you have too much time on your hands? Like, why? Four kids and then you start a business? What's going on? I know. It's ridiculous. Um, I definitely have a, a, a crazy side to me. I think that some of these things that I do are just not normal. But um, I'll explain why I did it at that time. So that year uh, when I was pregnant, three of my kids all had chicken pox. Like, and not at the same time. It was one after the other. And so I was like constantly calling my boss at that time and going, um, I can't come to work today. And it was just ridiculous. Plus, with more kids, there's more things that can go wrong. Well, not wrong, but like mean that you need to go outside of your general schedule. So I realized that I was no longer employee material. Like I just couldn't because I had to come to work late sometimes. And I had to leave work early sometimes. And there's always something. A kid's sick. There's a school meeting. There's a... Who knows what? So I I needed more flexibility, but also I needed to feel like I was making more of an impact on the world. At, not that I'm changing the world, but um, I needed to feel like what I was doing had more meaning in a bigger picture. So one of my big goals was actually to create jobs because Jerusalem is actually not the business center of Israel. There's, it's very hard to live here from that point of view. I wanted to create jobs. I wanted to learn I want, for myself. I wanted the opportunity to, to be creative and develop my own skills. And I didn't, I didn't have that in a job. So I went and started on my own. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's, that's great. Tell us about the first few months of being in the business and starting the business. What was that like? Were you working from the kitchen table? What was, what was going on? 
Basically, um, I worked from the kitchen table. Then we set up like a tiny desk in our bedroom. Terrible idea. <laughs> Working in the bedroom. <laughs> um, so that's basically how it was. I also, but I always had an, a vision that I, I wanted to have a team. I wanted to not be just a freelancer. So within a year, I hired the first person, and uh, Rebecca. And when I think about that, I also think that was insane. What was I thinking? How did I think I could employ someone? You know, how did I think that I was going to make her salary every month and be a good manager or anything? But whatever. I think being an entrepreneur, you have to like be able to ignore reality <laughs> or these questions and be like, I can do that. For sure I can. And then you just do it. <laughs> yeah. What, so you just touched on something there, like the the – the entrepreneurial spirit of just saying, you know, like like um, Richard Branson's book, "Screw it, let's do it, let's let's just do it, and we'll make it work." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you have to have this um, abnormal belief that things will work out um, all the time because there's all the time things cannot work out. Like they're they're very likely to not work out, and if you don't believe that they'll work out, then there's so many reasons to quit. But um, one thing that really kept me going also is my my husband has a crazy belief in my abilities. And I think that's really important for a person to have someone in their life, whether it's a spouse, partner, a friend, someone who you can like spill your guts out to and be like, I suck and I'm going to quit. And they go, you don't suck. You're amazing. And you're going to keep on going because you're going to succeed. And that's my husband. So bless him. Wow. <laughs> really, what can I say? Wow. Yeah. Um did you when you first started out? Did you have a big network of clients ready to kind of go, or did you have to try and hustle and, and go and find them? No, I had I had nothing pretty much, um, and I also had no budget for any kind of marketing that cost. So I turned to things that worked well for me. So that's also good because um, I'm not I'm not a hustler type person, and I'm also I'm actually by nature shy. So that. It's hard for me to just go up to people and be like, hey, I do this and you should hire me. No, I can't do that. So instead, I did what today, then it wasn't called that. It's called inbound marketing. So I would like put myself out there. So I joined forums and I would answer questions. Um, there's a very big forum in Israel called Digital Eve. It's for business women, um, professional women. And I joined it early yeah. on. Uh, now I'm part of the steering board because I have a technological bent and they wanted someone like that on the board. And so I started, you know, I just answered questions and uh, and online and other places and in comments and I wrote, wrote blog posts and something that I did that has been very effective and I do to this day and I do make time for this is speaking engagements. Mm. Um, I go around the country and I speak at conferences or I speak to groups. Just last week I spoke at Microsoft Israel. Um, no, it was this week. See, I don't even know. It was two days ago. <laughs> um, anyways, I just, so that's, that is a great way to get business. And then I stand in front of a bunch of people, 50 people, 200 people, whatever it is, and they get to know me and they, they see that I seem to know what I'm talking about. I've had people who have heard me speak and they didn't hire me, but they told their friends. I never even talked to them. They just heard me speak and they're like, oh, you're looking for someone to do WordPress? Well, Miriam knows what she's talking about, so contact her. That is a great way to generate business. It's awesome, isn't it? It's like lead generation yeah. on steroids because you, you know, it's like why why try and generate one lead at a time when I can generate a hundred at a time? Right, and so focused. Yeah. They're all sitting there because they want to hear what you talk you're talking about. I spoke at uh, a hub in Tel Aviv recently. The topic of my conversation was WordPress for startups. We have a new client, two new clients, uh, because of that, um, and they're startups. 
because they were there. They wanted to learn about WordPress for startups. Perfectly targeted. It's, it's okay. great. So here's a conversation I have all the time with WordPress consultants because I'm a big fan of the speaking thing. And I know this isn't in our script, but I'm just gonna. I just want to explore this for a minute because I, I do a lot of speaking. But a lot of people say to me, oh, yeah, but you've just got all this natural confidence and you're an extrovert and you love performing and you love being on stage. And yes, I do come from a performance background and all of that is true. But here's you. You're saying that you're shy by nature, that you're not a hustler. You're not going to just walk up to people and say, hey, you should hire me because I'm really good. So how do you get the confidence to then get up on stage and present in front of 50 or 100 people and and do your thing? Such a good question because... Some big people's biggest fears is speaking in front of a group, right? Right. Doesn't matter how big the group is. Even if it's a group of five, it can make people very nervous. Basically, I there are two things that contributed to my ability to do it. One is I just made myself start doing it. And when I first started speaking, my voice would literally shake. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. Yeah. It would shake, and I would just have to like breathe through it and hope that nobody really noticed. But the only way to get over that is to just keep doing it. It's like practice, and then. Now, I have no problem. However big the crowd is, no problem. Just I'll speak in front of them. And the other thing is, I really like to, I I mean, it sounds corny, but I like to help people. So I see my speaking as teaching them things that can help them. Hmm. So I'm not up there to sell myself. I'm up there because I really want to help you. So I'm coming from that point of view, and that that comes naturally, more more naturally. And and then I I can do it. You, you you just touched on something golden there by by wanting to help people and teach them and not selling your services it actually takes the pressure off doesn't it totally i i'm actually quite good at sales like technically i <laughs> you know i can bring in the leads and i can meet them and i can close the sale and i i think that my my closing rate is actually relatively high but the whole time that i'm doing it i'm not trying to sell like for my if i talk to someone and they're like let's say a single freelancer, this happened recently, and she got a bunch of proposals and she's like, Miriam, I don't understand why you're, I got a proposal range that's like huge. Can you, and she asked me to explain it to her and I explained it to her and I said why, you know, some are agencies, some are freelancers and that. And I said, I think you should go with the lowest cost one. I told her that. I said, don't go with us. You don't need an agency. You don't need that back. You're a solo person. You need your money for other things. And I suggested that maybe she could use us on a consulting basis. So I basically pushed away a a contract that was worth quite a lot because it wasn't good for her. So Mm. I want to do what's good for the client. If we're not good for the client, I'm not going to push them into it. And anyways, just in general, you don't want to work with a client you've pushed into signing with you. That's right. That is just recipe for disaster. The project won't go smoothly. And in the end, they're going to be unhappy. You want happy clients who will recommend you to other people. So so I'm not a... Selling like, oh, we must sign with us. I'm like, what can I do for you? And that seems to work. So yeah, it's such a great philosophy. I I love it, and I think this is this is why I wanted to talk to you on the podcast because I got this at your presentation. It just resonated with me so much. Everything it was like you gave this presentation. I was like, I th- I could have given this presentation. You're saying the exact same things that I've been thinking and saying for years. Like, you know, and there's very I find there's very few people actually having these conversations about sales and about speaking and about lead generation, particularly in the WordPress community. There's lots of conversations about BuddyPress and plugins. And God, I love BuddyPress, but I don't even want to see another BuddyPress presentation again. You know, I want to see presentations about, <laughs> hey, I have four kids. I decided to start a business. I'm crazy, but hey, I did it anyway, you know. Um, so, so why did you choose to become an organizer of WordCamp Jerusalem? So um, 
also, we kind of fell into that. Uh, there were a few people here who, um, in like 2007, I think, said, we should have WordCamp in Israel, too. The community here was very small. And I, like, volunteered, and I helped uh, with the English side of things because they're all native Israelis, and, um, and I spoke. And so for two years, they organized it in Tel Aviv. And then the third year, it didn't happen. It's very hard to... You know, everyone's busy and they're students and then they're getting jobs and like, it's very hard to make it happen. So uh, Rebecca, I keep mentioning, um, she's like, we should totally do it. And at that point, my self-confidence said, who are we to organize a conference? <laughs> That's actually came into play there. I said, really? Us? But And she said, no, we should totally do it. So I was like, okay. So we went for it and, uh, and we did it once. And it was good. And we're like, okay, so we'll keep doing it. So we'll keep doing it since then. That's great. Um, yeah. Between, between your – so actually, let's just talk about Rebecca for a minute. Wh- why did you hire your first employee? Like, uh, and, and at what point did you say, okay, I'm going I'm to hire an employee, I'm going to hire a staff member, and, and this, is how, this is how they're going to fit in, and this is why I need to hire them, and I'm ready to do this. Like, how, what, what was that process? So um, – as I said, I always wanted to have a team. So I was just looking for the right opportunity, the right time to do it. And there were a few things that led me to hire at that point. One was I was about to give birth to my fifth. I don't have four kids anymore. I have more. Oh, my God. You have five? You have more than five? I have more than five. How many kids do you have? Seven. Seven? Oh, my God. I, I have to change my next. I have to change my next question now to seven, not four. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Seven. Kids. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. My career is like uh, milestones in my career. Also, are who was I pregnant with at that time, and who had I just given birth to? <laughs> so, wow. I said it. So that was one thing, and I knew that I had to like find someone to take over the client work that I had at that time. And we also, I also had a good client to do that with. It was a retainer, so. I would start training. I started training Rebecca before I gave birth, and then she took over. That was the that was uh, one. So the, those were the two reasons. One is I knew I wanted to grow. I knew I wanted to hire, and um, and also giving birth. So I needed someone yeah. else on board. Wow. Um, yeah. So between your between your Facebook page, your Twitter account, your own blog, WP Garage, client services, the steering board of Digital Eve Israel, which you're on, speaking at functions, organising word camps, and seven kids, how do you not just melt down and explode? <laughs> um, so there's a few things. One is I do melt down and explode. <laughs> Luckily, <doesn't> too often. <laughs> There's no way not to, even with less kids and less on your plate. It's just too, it, it can get too much for anyone. So I, I definitely do. It happened recently. If things go smoothly in my week and according to schedule and all my kids are healthy and well, then I'm great. But like one week, it had been particularly stressful in general. And then my son decided to try a trick on his bike, which involved him eventually smashing into a, a fence. And we thought his legs were broken. And anyways, that, yeah, it was ridiculous. He, yeah. So that was just too much. And so I, I had a meltdown, but in general, I do a few things to try to keep things in order. One is I have a team and that's also one of the reasons why I always wanted to grow a team because Mm. I knew with my family obligations, even with four kids or five, that everything could not fall on me. Mm. I'd never get anywhere. I mean, like I just told you, I spend all day dealing with leads. 
who would do the work if I win all these projects? I needed to have a good team. So um, thank God now I do have a good team and we're even, God willing, hiring um, for one, maybe two more positions. So my team makes it possible and um, I keep my life simple. I know a lot of parents don't, you know, you don't know what your kid really needs, but I've definitely learned over the years. And a lot of what you think your kid needs, they don't need. Mm -hmm. They don't need you to run around with them. And parents of small kids, your kid is happy if you take them to a park with a slide and a swing. Seriously. So don't make yourself crazy, <laughs> you know, trying to take them to like Disneyland. When they get older, they'll demand, believe me. So make your life easy now, you know. So, <laughs> so I keep things simple. I don't like stuff. I don't like things. And uh, there's no keeping up with the Joneses that keeps me busy. No, no, none of that kind of stuff. So I keep things simple and, and thank God that that helps. Wow. Wow. That's great. Um, you gave a presentation at uh, WordCamp Europe called Learn From My Mistakes, Don't Make Them. And the WordPress space is, everyone in the WordPress business space to a, more so than any other business space I've been involved in, is quite open about talking about, you know, the trials and tribulations of being an entrepreneur. Do you ever kind of second guess yourself about being open and transparent about your business and about the mistakes that you've made? No. I don't, um, because I think that the benefits of the appreciation that people feel when they hear someone else talking about it outweigh the fact that I might be positioning myself as weak. Um, we, we all have issues and problems, and I think that it's, it's not right that people don't discuss it. I mean, I don't think we should all walk around going, we're a failure. We're not failures. We're human beings, and we make mistakes, and we don't do everything perfectly. And the other reason why I... I decided the first time I actually gave a talk like that was at the last WordCamp Jerusalem and the the response was overwhelmingly positive. People were like, we're all in the same boat. It was like a, some kind of support group. And <laughs> it was just like, I was like, yes, we are. And we all have the same issues. And I may look successful because I have, you know, a business and it's growing and blah, blah, but I have the same issues as everyone else. And also when I really started growing, I, really literally had nowhere to turn. There's a small business administration type of thing here in Israel called Mati, and it's pretty much useless, but I <laughs> thought they could help me, and they couldn't. And I've had consultants and coaches over the, year, and the, over the years, and in the end, I had to learn everything myself and figure it out through making mistakes. So why should someone else have to do that? I have a lot of sympathy and empathy for small business owners, and I want to help them not suffer too much. Yeah, that's great. Um, are there any challenges about being a WordPress entrepreneur specific to women, you think? Um, I think that the world of technology in general doesn't have enough women. And I don't believe that it's some kind of discrimination thing. I don't. Uh, I don't know why it is. I, for some reason, women feel less comfortable with technology. Um, so it makes me a minority in many cases also, if I go to startup events here in Israel and things like that, the, the startup owners and the founders of, are not women. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of effort to try to encourage women to, to take these steps. Um, and I think that uh, one of the things is that we're more risk averse. Even with my entrepreneurial leanings, I am more risk averse than my husband. There's no question. I often compare myself to him. And I think you're probably similar to him. You're like very much a go-getter, like energetic, like I can do it. And and he, like, if he wants to talk to the president or the, the CEO of a major corporation, he'll call him up. <laughs> I don't do those things. And I think other women don't do those things. And it's a shame. And we need to somehow 
have like realized that we're capable and have more confidence. But in terms of being a woman in WordPress, a woman in WordPress, it's almost a di- an advantage because we're the minority. You know, you're different, and so everyone else is a bunch of white guys, really. Like, where are people from other, <laughs> um, you know, minorities? But when you're a minority, you actually stand out more, and so it's it's kind of an advantage in a way. Yeah. It's interesting to get your take on that because, uh, you know, I, I, I realized when we first started planning this podcast and we had all these guests lined up and I looked at it and I went, whoa, hang on a second, there's no women here. This is really yeah. unbalanced. And I had to go looking for, okay, who were the interesting women in the WordPress space to speak to? Because there are men everywhere. I mean, there's just piles of them. You know, I could list every letter of the alphabet. I could find at least five or ten interesting blokes to talk to about WordPress. But the girls, it's oh, like, yeah. where have we to go and find the interesting girls? And I was at a meetup last week, this week here in Melbourne, a WordPress meetup, and there were like 40 people in the room and there were two girls. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we saw that at WordCamp Europe. I noticed, I mean, they did a really good job of getting women to speak. There was a large mm. percentage of women speakers, but of the participants, everywhere I looked, there was a sea of men. Mm. And here at WordCamp Jerusalem, I literally sent an email out to everyone saying, women, apply to speak. We want you. In mm. the end, I have to call women up who yeah. someone has told me to call up and beg them to speak. They um, feel like, I think the problem is that women don't feel, they feel like, I read recently, I think Chris Lima wrote about this, the imposter syndrome, uh-huh. that we all feel like we're, uh, we're faking it. Yeah. Yes. We're all not as good as someone else, but we're also much better than someone else. And women have to have the confidence to say, I have something to teach someone and I can get up and speak about it. And yeah. they don't. Because you know what, I, I can I can guarantee you all the men have the imposter syndrome as well. Like everyone feels it, you know. Right. <laughs> totally. Everyone does. I know I, from my husband. Yeah, um, yeah. He also is like, he, he has self-confidence issues sometimes, but it doesn't stop him. Yeah. He'll still go up yeah. there. And women need to to get over that. And I don't know how we can do that. Just keep trying to encourage them to to see their, their value, their skills. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you said something in your presentation at WordCamp Europe about your faith and how you're, how you're, can you just tell this story again? I'm not going to lead you into it, just, just about not being able to email. To provide services. Oh, so, um, so I'm a, I'm a religious observant Jew and, uh, that means that every week from sundown Friday to, to sundown Saturday, um, I cannot do a lot of things that people don't even think are things like use my phone, use my computer. I can't, we don't even turn on lights or turn off lights, like things like that. We don't cook. Okay. It's like (laughs) we we disconnect from the world of technology. So um, it can be a challenge when we're providing services to overseas clients. And uh, particularly we had an incident recently where our server went down on Friday afternoon, which is like the worst time ever for anything to happen for an Orthodox Jew. (laughs) Like you don't want your kids to get injured on Friday and inevitably they do, you know, things like that. So uh, I was like pounding away on my keyboard until like sundown on Friday. And then eventually I was just like, okay, it's hopefully we'll go back up over Shabbat. I can't do anything else. Goodbye. Shut down my computer. (laughs) And that was, so that was the most challenging, I think, uh, incident ever in terms of not being able to work on Shabbat, but there's always that risk. So it was funny at WordCamp Bureau, people were like, non-Jews were like, I'll work for you over Shabbat. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
we had a forum conversation in WP Elevation recently about, you know, who else is working weekends? How do you stop working weekends? How do you manage your clients' expectations and stop working weekends? And then I saw your presentation. I'm like, what a what an awesome response. Wait, like there's no, for, for me, because my belief, there's no, yeah. there's no like, oh, okay, this weekend I'll work. Oh, no. Yeah. And you know what? In terms of you asked what do I do when I'm not working, if, if Shabbat didn't exist in my life, I would seriously be working all the time. My husband, too. He's also a workaholic. Thank God we shut down everything and we sit and we look at our kids in the eyes and we sit around the table and there are no distractions. Yeah. It's a real blessing. That's awesome. Um, you made the Mad Mimi sign-up forms plug-in. Yeah. Is this, are there more products to come in the future from you guys? Is the product business something that you're toying with? So we're totally, um, we've been looking at it for years. The problem is with a small business, when you have a certain amount of time to invest in something, you do what will it bring in, you know, cash yeah. sooner. So we don't get to it. But we've got like a list of ideas and we're seriously trying to move forwards with some. One is uh, possibly a software as a service type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I have some other plugin ideas as well. So... You know, one thing at a time, that's one thing you learn. Like, don't try to be everywhere. So we're going to just try to pick one thing, and we're going to try to move forward with it. I know that it's going to move slowly, but um, I really want to get into the product side of things because of something that I spoke about at my at, at my talk of this type of revenue graph yeah. yep. where, you know, it's just it's not constant, and we need to, we need to try to uh, add something that takes away that uncertainty. So, yeah. Nice one. All right, quick round called Let's Elevate. For those of you that don't know, WP Elevation is a business accelerator program for WordPress consultants. So I'm going to ask Miriam a series of quick questions here about how you can elevate yourself as an above average consultant. Uh, quick questions, quick answers. What's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant needs to know? Um, every project that you do is not just about the payment that you're going to get for that project. It is a stepping stone to your next one. So Go a little bit above and beyond if you can, you know, if you have the time and the budget. Um, make that client very, very happy because your best referrals down the line will be from happy clients. Those are our best. That's what you want. So, so see every project as also lead generation in a way. Nice. What's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? It's the speaking, as I mentioned before, really. There's, if you don't have a lot of money and a lot of time, then preparing a good talk, it takes time, there's no question, but um, the the impact of that can be very huge. And also you can uh, maximize the potential by not just speaking, writing a blog post about it afterwards, sharing it on related forums. If you're being helpful, then people want to see that and that can get you great exposure to hundreds, thousands of new people. Fabulous advice. How do you stop competing on price? Uh, that's such a big, yeah, that's a huge problem in our certain in, Many services-based industries, also graphic designers face this. Basically, we focus on the type of client that we want. Um, we are an agency, so so the small businesses, the very small like solopreneurs, we're not their address, and we don't we shouldn't be. They're, they'll do fine with other with other places, but we know who our client is. Our client is someone who wants the backing of a group of people, not just one person, and that's that's where I've aimed to be. So. Um, in terms of the quality of our service, I really see WordPress as being just like one leg of a four-legged chair or something. There's that, and that's the technical side. But what do you do around the project? We have a very intensive site specification stage. We come with strategic thinking, business thinking. What are your business goals? We QA it like crazy, and we provide support afterwards. Like, 
the project is not just a WordPress site. It's so much more than that. And if you can add that value then and, and explain that to clients, they'll, there are those who will understand it. The ones who understand it are the ones you want. And then your pricing, they want to pay your premium pricing because you're providing a premium service. It, it, it makes sense. I couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs> um, any, any tips on writing better proposals? Yeah. Um, our proposals are pretty long. Um, and recently, I actually now have a co-CEO, uh, which is a lifesaver to me because I just I couldn't do everything. So he's more of the business side of things, and he, he cut them down. Uh, and I think that was a good thing. Try to see your proposal as a marketing document. So often, more than once, many times, people have said to us that they were very impressed by our proposal because other people hand in these like, nebuch, sorry, that's the edge word, pathetic, <laughs> pathetic uh, word documents. They didn't even PDF it. It's in Times New Roman and like, it's got track changes activated, you know, like ridiculous things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so design your proposal in a way. It's, put testimonials in. We have testimonials in there. Talk about your your uh, accomplishments. We have those metrics that you mentioned. You know, uh, three word camps and all that, and clients and five contents. We have that in our proposals to remind them why they wanted a proposal from us. So see it as a marketing document. And every time you do a project and there's something unclear, we've learned along the years. Like we add things to the project afterwards. So for example, server issues. Ugh. It can, that can kill you. Mm. We have a very clear clause about if you don't host with us or one of our recommended hosting providers, then you will pay hourly as we deal with your server issues, things like that to protect yourself in the future. That's gold. Uh, what's your favorite tool for or system for CRM? So we've tried a lot, and I've stuck with Zoho CRM until this day. Recently, we, every once in a while, we're like, oh, it's kind of clunky and old, and they don't innovate enough. Um, as much as I would like them to, for example, integration with social, it really and and email marketing that is a big weakness there. But it really does the job well, and we keep trying other things, and we keep coming back to it. It's very good for seeing your pipeline statuses. You can add custom fields, run reports. It's it's good, and it's very inexpensive. So and, that's another thing. And I remember I remember looking at Zoho CRM and signing up for a free trial, and you're like one of the testimonial social proof faces <laughs> on the sign-up form. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Miriam. I, I, thought, I thought it was so hilarious when I noticed that, and I'm still there to this day. So if you go to the homepage and you scroll down a bit, you'll see me there saying that it's a good system, and it is a good system. We still use it. So um, it's free, I think, for up to three users. Like for a small business, that's yeah. great. Start yeah. there. What's the best? Uh, what's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? That is a very big question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were weak with that in the last six months, and we thought, okay, we have to create better, more efficient processes and things like that. And in the end, we identified the issue was with our external suppliers, um, our contractors that we were working with that their turnaround time wasn't fast enough and they weren't meeting our timelines. So basically, you need to make all those that you're working with on a project, you, may, you need to make it very clear to them that even if they create the most amazing design for you, if they don't provide it on time, it's not worth anything and they better meet your timelines because our team was doing their job and moving things forward, but then spending all their time calling our contractors. So try to make sure all your resources are in place and that everyone's on the same page, that timelines are golden that is the bottom line that's awesome. it uh, that's all i'm saying any ideas for getting referrals 
we don't use any referral system. I often read about them, but I feel like providing a prize for referring us is kind of false. It makes me uncomfortable. It's not that I don't want to give someone something for referring us, but I don't want them to refer us because I'm going to give them something. I just, I feel like it's forcing it. So basically it comes back to what I said, which is provide a very good service and then your client will happily refer you because people want to help other people find good suppliers. Yeah. A lot of our clients are from the marketing departments of companies and they, their big pain in their life is finding good suppliers. And if they found one and then their colleague in another company says, who's a good web developer, they're happy to share that. And so that's how we get referrals by, by keeping people happy. Do good work. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. Uh, to finish the elevation round, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself? That is a very good question. I think uh, it depends. It differs per company or, or freelancer. Um, try to find your what makes you unique. So I can just talk about what makes us unique. Um, I often really feel like I, we don't have direct competition in Israel, which is strange because there's a lot of WordPress developers. But why is that? Because we're in Jerusalem. So our location makes us unique. Most uh, developers are in Tel Aviv. We are almost primarily English speakers. We all immigrated to Israel from English speaking countries. So our clients are companies and organizations who need an English website, like because they're marketing outside of Israel. Um, or it's because our network is English speakers just by nature of who we are. So uh, we're not competing with these, the native Israelis in that way. Um, the level of your service can make you unique. And also you can add nice features to your site. Let's say you create some kind of unique plugin that you provide all your clients with, then um, that can help you stand out. And it's like a nice little touch uh, to brands this site as yours and, uh, and you know, just be creative. Yeah, that's a nice one. I haven't heard that one before. That's a, it's just a little internal proprietary plugin that you just use on. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's a nice one. Um, just before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you about this. I learned a Yiddish word recently. Uh, I saying ishka bibel. What is ishka bibel? Tell me what. It, tell me what ishka bibel means. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. No. Okay, so apparently, apparently, it means like fiddlesticks. Really? Yeah. Ishka bibel. There we go. You know what? Maybe I've been in Israel too long. We don't <laughs> use as many Yiddish words as outside of Israel. Right. In Israel, we say stuyot. That's like nonsense. Yeah, but, right. Uh, I think that's right. Okay. There you go. Um, all right. What's the future for Illuminaia? Um, so the future. I want us to become more stable. And thank God, I think we are uh, in terms of our projects and our processes. My co-CEO has done a really good job of, of stabilizing things. Thank God. So I want us to become more stable. I want us to continue to work with clients who amaze us you know, who have great technologies, they're cool people. I love it when we're working with clients like that, nonprofits that are seriously making a difference in the world. We love that. Um, I'd like to grow our team to 10, and I think that's where we would stop. I want us to stay small enough that our clients feel like we all know who they are, um, but big enough to service more people. I'd like us to branch out outside of Israel more and get more um, non-Israeli clients, and, and that is happening, but slowly. And I'd yeah, I'd like to go to more conferences outside of Israel. It's not exactly a business goal, but I had such a good time at WordCamp Europe. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I want to do more of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just want to get on the planes and travel again with a suitcase, huh? 
Totally, exactly, like my childhood dream. And for me, it's like a vacation. There is, there are no kids that I have to bathe <laughs> or feed. It's great. <laughs> uh, what's the future of WordPress look like? Do you think? I'm a little bit concerned about the future of WordPress. I think that, um, and hopefully, the community is becoming aware of it because it's gone from something that's simple to something that's not for good and for bad. All of the hooks and filters and APIs and all that and the new features, they're amazing and they're amazing for us developers, but it can become, it be, can be too much for clients. Mm. I think that ideally, in my opinion, one of the next steps for, let's say, future versions of WordPress would be to cut things, make the admin more simple, um, make the dashboard something more useful. You know, things like that. I, I'm worried that we're, we're trying to be too feature-rich, that we're, um, it's becoming a disadvantage when you compare it to something like Tumblr or even this new Ghost, right? They're coming because there's a need. And I think WordPress can be both, both feature-rich and simple. Mm. But you know how it is. Cutting things is always the hardest thing in anything. So, But I think it needs to happen or else uh, we're going to see less and less people using WordPress. And that concerns me. Mm. Interesting. There you go. You heard it first from Miriam on the WP Elevation podcast. Um, <clears throat> just before we say goodbye, I'm just going to give details on the competition. You can win a half-hour coaching session on Skype with myself, and I'll answer, answer any questions about your WordPress business and help you out any way I can. Just leave us some feedback underneath this video and tell us the best thing that you learnt in this interview from Miriam, and I'll get Miriam to come back in a week or so and award the prize. How's that sound? Oh, that's so cool. I love giving prizes. So, yeah. Excellent. Great. Thanks. All right. Hey, um, what's the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business? Um, identify your goal and keep your eye on that ball and have patience and low expectations at the same time. I know that sounds weird. That's four but things. <laughs> if you know what you're aiming for, four things. Aim for something and focus on it but also be patient because I, I know I was like within two years I'm going to be profitable and big company no uh, um, be there for the long haul and also just be prepared for things that could disappoint you and if you have lower expectations you won't get disappointed and you'll have the strength to keep going yeah great advice where can people reach out and say thank you Miriam uh, they can email me if they want Twitter you can tweet me so I'm at Miriam Schwab on Twitter um, or you can email me at Miriam, M-I-R-I-A-M, at Illuminea.com, which uh, is hard to spell and say, but I'll put some links in the show notes. Thank you very much for that. And finally, who would you like me to try and interview and why? So I was, that was a good question that you gave me, and um, I was thinking about it. And there's a guy in Israel, his name is Rami Yushayev. And a lot of people recently have been speaking about a service that he developed called WP Generator, I think it's called. Um, it's very cool. He's super knowledgeable. I don't know how his English is, unfortunately. I never spoke to him in English. But um, he's really, like, he's top-notch in WordPress. And I would say if you can talk to him, then you should totally do that. Cool. And it's, it's Ramu, is it? Rami, R-A-M-I. And his last name, I can't even spell it. It's, but I'll, I'll I can send you his information. 
Yeah. No worries. I've got a team of detectives that go and find these people all over the world and, and get them on the podcast. <laughs> okay, so we'll find him. Hey, Miriam, thank you very much for spending almost an hour with us here on the WP Elevation podcast. I really appreciate it. I wish you all the best for your future and the future of Illuminaia and your seven kids. Are there any more kids in the, in the planning? think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much for spending some time with us and uh, all the best. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. It was fun. Cheers.